Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. And whether you're live at Moss or Zor or live stream, I'm Talbot Davis, the pastor here. As always, so excited to be able to connect with you. And uh, as we continue this influencer series, it really is all about how you can uh, leverage your, your own influence, your own living relationship with Jesus Christ to influence not only generations coming behind you, but people who surround you. And today's message is called, When You Want to Go Along to Get Along. When you want to go along to get along, and it, it comes from the Bible, as messages tend to do here at Good Shepherd, and specifically from the book of First Kings in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite, want to invite you to locate First Kings chapter 22. Uh, in, in your Old Testament, if your Bible's not, some of you have a Bible that looks like this, and for others of you, it's loaded on your phone, and either way is fine, and some of you may, may not have brought your Bible, or you don't have it on your phone, it's okay as well. The verses are going to be up on the screen, as they always are, at just the right time, and that's all vitally important to us for when I'm talking about the Bible in a message, for you to be able to see it for yourself. Because we at Good Shepherd, we believe that the biblical library and, and the Bible is a library. It's not a book. And the book of 1 Kings is actually a, a book in the history section of the library from about 800 B.C. So almost 3,000 years ago, 2,800 years ago or so. And, but we believe that not only is it a library, but it's a God-breathed library, that God breathed his life into its words and he put his truth onto its pages. You may not believe this yet. You may be still thinking about it, and that's okay. We just like to be clear about the kind of church that we are, and we do believe the Bible is inspired, eternal, and true. And because we believe that about the Bible, when we talk about it in church, we do something kind of unusual with it. Some of you already beaten me to the punch. We lift it up in the air. And, and if you've not been here before, you've not tuned in before, and you're looking around, and there's phones in the air and Bibles in the air, you're like, that just is kind of weird. And you, you know how we answer? Yes, we admit it. This is strange. But we've discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, we're a collection of people joyfully surrendered to the authority of the word and ready for its power to be let loose in our lives. Amen? And uh, before I say another word, I need to tap into that power with prayer. Y'all, as, as you're praying for me or, or with me, don't forget to pray for me as well. So let's pray. God, thank you for the goodness of your Holy Spirit who inspired the author of First Kings so long ago. And Thank you, the Holy Spirit is still moving and alive and active. And I simply ask that he would fill me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head with everything necessary for this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we, uh, we have been talking about influence over the last several weeks, and, and we've been talking about influencing by looking at some relatively obscure people in the Bible with names that are hard to pronounce. And if you're with us last week, if you weren't, I'm, I'm so glad you're here today, but if you were with us last week, the name we looked at was Onesiphorus. Hey, let's practice that again even a week later. It's Onesiphorus. Well, today is, is even better. Because we get to look, we get to look at one character, 
in the book of 1 Kings, who makes the author of 1 Kings, and the author of 1 Kings is like the national historian, the narrator of the, of the history of, uh, of Israel. He makes that author so mad that he refuses to refer to him by name. So we got, we got one guy in the story, no-name guy. And then the other guy in the story who we're going to look at, he, he is named, but his name, again, is pretty difficult to pronounce. And, and the way the, their stories interact, you got no-name guy and hard-name guy. And the way their stories interact and intersect have so much to do with the, with, with, with the kind of lives that we live today and, and really the kind of temptations that we face to have influence in our world and in our community and the, the kind of tendencies that we have to just, uh, just go along with it. That'll help you get along with people. Because here's the situation. Let's just j- jump right in. Been waiting all week to jump right in. And, and here, it's 800 B.C., and Israel, chosen people of God, have had a civil war. And in the aftermath of the civil war, they have divided into two, two kingdoms. And the northern kingdom is called Israel. Why they got to keep the original name, I don't know, but they did. The northern kingdom is called Israel. The southern kingdom is called Judah. So two kingdoms, two separate kings, and get this, each of the kings, the, 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 the Yankee king up north and the rebel king down in the south, each of them have prophets, which was kind of like a national, it's kind of like a domestic policy advisor, except on God-given steroids, and, and, and the prophets were to speak God's word to their king. And up in the northern kingdom, the the king whose name was Ahab, he had about 400 of these prophets, one of whom is this fellow named Micaiah. Now, what kind of king was Ahab? Remember, he's, he's the king up north. He's the Yankee king up in the north. What kind of king was he? Uh, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30 has already told us. Look at what it says. Ahab, the son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. So there'd been a lot of really bad kings in, in the history of Israel and in the history of Judah, north and south. But, but Ahab was the, the cream of the crop. He was the worst of the worst. So he was vicious and he was wicked and he was pagan, meaning he worshiped a lot of gods and goddesses. And he was very popular because all of his wickedness sort of led to some prosperity for the northern kingdom. Well, it's so funny. After giving Ahab that description, the author of 1 Kings, and we don't know who he is, but, but the author is like, I am so done with that guy. Because the rest of his life, the rest of his story, I refuse to dignify him by referring to him by name. So for the rest of the story, he's going to be the king of Israel, and I refuse to refer to him by his name. And you know what, what is so awesome about that decision of this historian writing 1 Kings? is not only, not only does he do it because he doesn't like Ahab, which we've just seen, but you want to know why else? Because he's a southerner. And the southerners write the history 
because they lasted longer than the northern kingdom did. So any opportunity, he has an opportunity to get, to get just a little dig in at his kinfolk after the civil war up in the north, he's gonna do it. Well, with, with all that in, in, in sort of the background, look at how 1 Kings chapter 22 opens up, because this is a story we're looking at today. Uh, and there has been, they've been divided for about 50 years at this stage, and the northern kingdom, they've had a skirmish with the people called the Arameans, and they've been in this own war. And so what, what Ahab decides to do is he, to make sure that he wins the war, he's going to craft this alliance with his kinfolk from the south so that they will join him in a war against their common, a common enemy. It would be exactly like, exactly like if at the end of the U.S. Civil War, 1865, that the North and the South did divide and became two separate nations. And then 50 years later, they had to unite again briefly to fight a common enemy, the Canadians. Because you know you can't trust those Canadians. So that's exactly, that's exactly what has happened when we get to 1 Kings chapter 22. L look how the story picks up. For three years, there was no war between Aram and Israel. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, notice, he gets his name in the story. King of Judah went down to see the king of Israel, who I will not refer to by name ever again. The king of Israel had said to his officials, don't you know that Ramoth-Gilead belongs to us uh, and yet we're doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram? So he asked Jehoshaphat, bro, will you, I added that, will you go with me to fight against Ramoth-Gilead? Yeah, we had a civil war 50 years ago, but we're all Jewish here. We're related by blood. Let's unite against our, let's unite against our common enemy, he says, the Arameans. And look at Jehoshaphat's reply in the next part of verse 4. Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel. Notice, Jehoshaphat gets his name in this story, not Ahab. He's always the king of Israel. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And then, and then Jehoshaphat adds this in verse 5. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. Isn't that perfect? The southerner. Because we all know people in the South go to church more than people in the North. <laughs> he, he, hey, let's check with God on this, he says. Verse 6, so the king of Israel, again, the Bible, when you know the stories behind the stories, the Bible is so much more fun to read. And so when you realize what this author is doing oh, every time saying the king of Israel, the king of Israel, I am not calling Ahab by his name. He brought together the prophets, about 400 men. Remember, these are his domestic policy advisors speaking God's word to him. And he asked them, shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? Go, they said, because they're kind of yes men. Go, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat, king in the south, asked, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? It, it's really Jehoshaphat's way of saying, I don't really trust your 400 yes men. You got anybody else we could ask? And, and Ahab's answer in verse eight is absolutely classic. Look what he says. The king of Israel, 
The king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, the son of Imla. I love that. You, you, you notice the never and Oh, I mean, you can, he never says anything good about me, but only says things that you can hear his foot stop and you can see the pout on his face. By the way, you should never trust anybody who uses language like never and always. You should always be skeptical. Okay, yes. Some, some of you are like, what just happened? Yeah, so the king, the, the, the king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. Well, uh, so they, they go and they, in, in spite of the fact that, the, that the, uh, Ahab doesn't want to go ask Micaiah anything because he never says anything good and always says things that are bad, they go to ask him anyway. Should we go into this battle against the Arameans? And, and look at, the, uh, at kind of the environment that uh, Micaiah is in the middle of. Look at verse 10. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, <laughs> again and again and again, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria with all the prophets, all, 400 of them, all the prophets prophesying before them. Down at verse 12, same idea. All the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth, Gilead, and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. So here's Micaiah. He's one guy. He's surrounded by all the guys, all of them who, who are saying, yeah, King Ahab, King Jehoshaphat, the, the, the narrator of the story might not say your name. We're willing to say your name. You should embrace this battle. The Lord will give you victory. And, and, and so all the prophets are saying this one thing. And, and it's up to Micaiah to say something. And look at the advice that Micaiah gets in verse 13. I love this advice. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, look, buddy, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. I, I love it. Hey, hey, buddy, Micaiah, just go with it, okay? Everybody's saying we should attack. Just go with it, and you will get along. Just go along with it to get along with the king. Just go along with the story we're crafting. And my goodness, how often does that happen? Maybe for you. Maybe for you it started when you are very young and one of your parents pulled you in in an alliance to hide their behavior from your other parent. And they said, oh, just go along with it. Don't raise a stink. It'll be our little secret. Giving you adult responsibilities way, way before your time. Or maybe you got a little bit older and there was a, a, a cheating ring in an algebra class. And, and what did everybody else say in that cheating ring in algebra class? Just go along with it. Don't raise a stink. Or you get a little bit older and, and, and you're there at work and there's some fraud going on. There's some theft going on. Just, just go along with it. Don't raise a stink. 
Or maybe you go to, maybe you go to corporate training and you sit in that corporate training class and they are telling you things about the body and about gender that you know are ridiculous. And everybody says, ah, just go along with it. Don't raise a stink. Man, a mom in this church told me about her fourth grade daughter who signed into a Zoom class. And at that Zoom class, the fourth grade daughter was asked to give her preferred pronouns for a 10-year-old little girl. And you know the temptation. Just, just go along with it. Don't raise a fuss. Don't raise a stink. Just go along and you will get along. You would be amazed, even in church life, even in the Methodist world, how, how often that is the key to advancement. Just go along. Get along. So that was Micaiah then. And that's you now. And that's me now. So how in the world can we have any bit of influence when, when, when it seems to be that, that, that the key to having that influence is, is sacrificing just a little bit of our honesty, just a little bit of integrity, just a little bit of what we really believe to, to go along in order to get along and... And that's when two words in 1 Kings chapter 22 change everything. Look at the two words in, in 1 Kings 22 verse 14 where it says this, But Micaiah, and immediately you know, Oh Lord, but Micaiah, and you know that you know that you know that everything is going to go downhill for our hero immediately because the other 400 are saying one thing, but Micaiah, what does it say in verse 14? As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. And then Micaiah gives this sarcastic answer in verse 15 that the king sees right through. But still look, back at verse, look down at verse 17 to see what Micaiah really says to the king. Then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. And what Micaiah was saying there, I've been a give, given a vision that if you go into this battle, king no name, you will die in that battle and the people of Israel will not have a leader, will not have a shepherd anymore. That's the vision I've been giving. And how does king no name how, how does he answer? Verse 18 is again classic. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you? He never prophesied anything good about me, but only bad. He's got that foot stomp and that pout in his face. He's got that down to perfection. So there's more wrangling back and forth between what, what Micaiah says and what Ahab wants to do. And, there's, and, and, and then look at verse 20, uh, 24, for the slap heard round the world. Then Zedekiah, the son of Kanana, you don't have to remember these names, okay, went up and slapped Micaiah in the face. Well, which way did the Spirit from the Lord did the Spirit from the Lord go when he, when he went from me to speak to you, he asked. So again, there's this pile-on of, of threats and violence to Micaiah if he will not change what he believes, if he will not change what he says, if he won't just go along to get along. 
and it kind of reaches its culmination in verses 26 and 27. Look what happens. The king of Israel, and now you all are such Bible scholars, you're like, I know why it says the king of Israel, because that author, he ain't calling Ahab by his name ever again. The king of Israel then ordered, take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, this is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. A heavy price to pay for following your convictions. A heavy price to pay for not sacrificing some of his integrity because there Micaiah is in prison and the 400, 400 of his closest friends, the 400 yes men, they are roaming free. And so the battle ensues because 400 yes men have said to the king, King No Name and King Jehoshaphat, go for it, go for it. The Lord is going to give you victory. And the one prophet who said, no, 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 I wouldn't do it. You will not survive. The one prophet, he's there in prison on bread and water rations only. And look at verse 34 for what happens when the battle actually gets fought. Look down at verse 34. But someone, this means someone from the uh, Aramean army, drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel, that's Ahab, between the sections of his armor, and the king told his chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting, I've been wounded. And the rest of the chapter, the rest of the day, is Ahab there slowly but surely bleeding out, and his life vanishes just as his name already has. And at the end of the story, just as Micaiah has predicted, Ahab is in fact dead. He has bled out in disguise. And this random arrow just happened to get him. Has anything happened by accident in, in, in 1 Kings? I, I, I doubt it. And, and, and so there, everything has has transpired exactly like Micaiah has said, and you know, don't you, that the test of any prophet is his accuracy? And so there's 400 yes men who look like fools, and, and there's one who has some honesty, there's one who has some integrity, and he may be on bread and water only, but at least he's held on to what is important, and at least his influence has not been separated from his integrity at all. And, and so you know what we get from that? For, for all of us, all of us who are wondering, well, how in the world in 2021, where, where to get along, it seems like we have to go along with all kinds of stuff that we don't really believe. Do you know what we, what we draw from that? You know how you and I can live lives of influence? It, it's this. If your influence comes at the expense of your integrity, you'll lose them both. If you have to sacrifice your honesty, your character, your convictions to have any kind of popularity or any kind of influence, you will end up with neither character nor influence. You will lose them both. You know how we know this is true, Good Shepherd? Well, who names their kid Ahab anymore? <laughs> like no one. The Ahab's name is still gone. And who names their kid Micaiah 
these days, well, if you go to Good Shepherd, you know that Chris Thayer, Zor Campus pastor, pastor of discipleship, that he's got, yeah, there's his son. What? Micaiah. Because he wanted a son who lived according to that kind of integrity and had that kind of namesake. If, you, if your influence comes at the expense of your integrity, you'll lose them both. But there's more. You remember that mom I told you about? Mom of the fourth grader who dials into a Zoom call. Oh, fourth grade class, you need to give us your preferred pronouns. You know what mom did? She said, don't you dare do that, honey. It's perfectly obvious your girl. And I was like, divine truth, meet common sense. Hallelujah for that. Yes. It's like that pastor I heard about who said that real ministry begins when you have a greater fear of angering God than offending people. Oh, Lord. Did you catch that? Real ministry begins when your greater fear is of angering God than offending people. How difficult a lesson is that to learn? Or even like a uh, Phil Donahue, some of you may remember Phil Donahue. He was like Oprah before there was Oprah, the original talk show. And, and he didn't like pastors very much. He, he didn't like what they were selling or how they were selling it. And he, did a, he, he had a, a, an episode one time or a show one time at, at the scene in West Virginia of a coal mining disaster. Mi miners were trapped. There was an accident and the miners were trapped. And, and kind of in the corner of his eye, Phil Donahue saw uh, this a uh, humble uh, country pastor show up. You know, you know in West Virginia, they, they preacher, that he was their preacher. And he gathered a small group around and they prayed for rescue and they prayed for hope. It, it's, it's the kind of ministry that is rarely glamorized, but it's always, always essential. Well, Donahue realized he didn't have his film crew filming that prayer and it was a heartwarming scene and so he goes up to the pastor and he says uh pastor I'm, I'm i'm so sorry i was really impressed by what you just did could you do it again so we could catch it on film this time and you'll be on tv and you'll get kind of some some fame and some renown and i i i, I honestly i would have been like okay give me five minutes and i'll have everybody ready <laughs> turn to your neighbor and say hey, our pastor's going to hell yeah but thank God, thank God that West Virginia pastor wasn't so shallow. And he, and he said to Phil Donahue, we've already prayed and I don't pose. And that's influence. That, that, that one pastor had so much more influence than, than all the posers Donahue had ever been exposed to before. If your influence comes at the expense of your integrity, you'll lose them both. And see, I think what really matters is to be able to distinguish between popularity and influence. Popularity is fleeting, popularity is man-made, and popularity is something most of us desperately long for. I remember asking my mom in seventh, or telling my mom in seventh grade, yeah, I got a good report card, but I'd so much rather have a worse report card and be more popular. And maybe you felt that, by the way, I tried the worst report card and the popularity didn't change a bit. Maybe 
you, you had that same kind of desire in, in, in seventh grade. Influence. Influence is God-given, and it endures. It endures longer than you think it will. It, it may well endure longer than you will. Micaiah's influence is enduring even to this day. And you're like, where does the, where, where does the strength come from? When there's so much pressure all around us, where does the strength come from? To be the anti-Ahab who bleeds out while he's in disguise, fighting a battle that he was told not to embrace. Where does the strength come from to live that kind of life, to be the anti-Ahab? I'm so glad you asked. Because who else bled out but not while in disguise, but while open and vulnerable and ashamed, and not by a random arrow, but by a purposeful plan, and not in, in disobedience to the word of the Lord, but in perfect submission to it. Who else bled out that way? Jesus. Only Jesus. And it's not your integrity that will give you the strength to have influence in this kind of world. It's his. But he bled out so you would be filled up. And that's the name. And his is the faith that will allow you to live the kind of life where your influence will last even longer than you do. Who? Jesus. Only Jesus. Let's, let's praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you give us this strength, that you give us this power, not to go along just to get along, but to hold so deeply onto our integrity for the sake of what's good and what's true. We worship you when you, we, and we love you now. In your name we pray. Amen.